Well, hey, good morning, everyone. As Paul said, my name is Ben Krause. I'm the campus pastor here, and uh, if we haven't had the chance to meet yet, I'm so glad you're here with us this morning. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 28 and just hold your place there. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, there's some under the seats around you, and this is going to be on page 492 of those Bibles. Isaiah 28 is where we're going to start this morning, but first, uh, I want to tell you about something that our staff did last year. Uh, our staff team had the opportunity to go through some CPR training training, and uh, we hope that we will never have a medical emergency here, but if we do, uh, we want to be ready for it. So Kyle Howe, uh, who attends our Carmel campus uh, and is a firefighter, he spent a morning with our staff training us in CPR, and as you can imagine, Kyle had his work cut out for him. Uh, we've got some, some pictures and some video of what happened that morning, and uh, as you're watching this, I don't want you to think that we didn't take this seriously, uh, because we did, but with plastic dummies on the floor and so many great jokes to be made, uh, well, it was both informational and a lot of fun at the same time. Well, I invited Kyle to come this morning and to share with you some of the techniques that he showed us during our training time. So I wonder, would you welcome my friend Kyle Howe to the stage this morning? Hi, Kyle. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Good to see you. Good to see you. Yeah. So you're a firefighter. How long have you been a firefighter? Coming up on six years. Six years, yes. and it's uh, Westfield Fire Department, right? That's right. Yep. And you're married? I am. I'm Beautiful wife right here up front. Yeah, Brooke, and you've Brooke. got a, a couple kids. Yep, uh, Elsie's right here, and uh, Ethan and Emma are back in Zancouver. That's great. That's great. Well, Kyle, thanks for being here this morning. Um, I, you know, I wondered if you would come today, and I see you brought a friend with you. I did. Uh, what's this guy's name? This is Safety Sam. Safety Sam. Yep. Everyone say hi to Safety Sam. <laughs> I'm not sure he felt welcomed by that, but... He's also made of plastic, so that's okay. Kyle, let's step up here and uh, let's put Safety Sam on the table. Uh, you showed us a lot of great techniques the morning that you were here. Uh, one of those was, uh, was CPR and specifically how to do compressions on a person who needs CPR. And yes. so uh, I wondered this morning if you could just talk us through and show us what the basic technique is uh, if, we, if we were giving someone CPR. And before you do that, I want to say this is for demonstration purposes only. Okay, this is not a training event. If there is a medical emergency, please leave these, this to the pros like Paul Muma or Josh Rogers, okay? So... Uh, <laughs> Kyle, why don't you show us what you would do if someone needed CPR? Okay, so basically I told you guys that you first you had to decide if they needed CPR, right? So yep. you had to say, hey, hey, are you all right? And if they don't respond and you don't see their chest coming up and down, you know they need CPR. So okay. like I told you guys, you always start with compressions. Okay, and I remember you told us that, uh, that for compressions, it's, it's about 100 comp compressions per That's minute, right? right? Yep. And we call that in music beats per minute. Mm -hmm which uh, 100 beats per minute happens to be the exact beats per minute to the Bee Gees song, Staying Alive. Absolutely. And so um, would you like some life-saving music this morning as Absolutely. you show us how? So I want to tell you, Safety Sam has some digital lights on him, and he's going to light up green uh, when Kyle has saved his life. And so I'll let you know when that happens. But, uh, but Kyle, why don't you show us? Could we give Kyle some life-saving music, tech team? Here we go. Let's clap on. Congratulations, Kyle. You did a great job. All right. 
All right, come on over here for a minute. You know, uh, we had a lot of fun that morning that you were with us, but all fun and all jokes aside, this technique really could be the difference between life and death. Talk about that for just a minute. It really could. I mean, basically, when you put your hands on somebody like that and you, you breathe your breath into them, you're their life support. So you're the only thing that's keeping them from, from dying, basically. So it, it's extremely important, and somebody who needs CPR and doesn't get it, there, there's no hope for them. But uh, if you're there to give them that CPR, you're, you're their hope, you're their life support. So mm. It's extremely important. It's a matter of life and death. And uh, Kyle, we, did, we had a ton of fun with you, but I want to thank you for training us in those techniques and also for being here this morning. We all give Kyle a hand. Thanks a lot. Now, here's the reason why I invited Kyle to be with us here this morning. I want you to have this image of what CPR looks like burned into your minds because I want you to understand that this series and this commandment that we've been talking about over the past few weeks is also a matter of life and death. It is really that serious because while CPR might give you a second chance at life here on earth, the reality is that for every one of us and for all of our neighbors, uh, life on this earth is going to come to an end one day. And on that day, we will stand before Almighty God and we will have to give an account. Did you know Jesus? Did you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he is Lord? That's why this command to love our neighbors is so important. That's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. It's the commandment that Jesus gave us in Matthew 22. He says that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our strength. That's the first and greatest commandment. And the second one is like it. It's to love our neighbors as ourselves. God has invited us into his redemption story. He's commanded us as his followers to commit our lives to loving God and to loving people. And in the same way that Kyle trained uh, our staff in CPR, I want to train you this morning in a different kind of CPR. I want to teach you about spiritual CPR, spiritual CPR that will address the needs of people around you who are spiritually dead. Here's what it stands for. If you're taking notes this morning, spiritual CPR is this, cultivate, plant, and reap. This is the work that Jesus has called us into, and it's based on a principle that we find in Isaiah 28. So I want to take a look at that passage, and then I want to jump to the New Testament, and I want to show you how Jesus puts this principle into practice. But let's look together first at Isaiah 28. We're going to start in verse 24, and here's what it says. When a farmer plows for planting, does he plow continually? Does he keep on breaking up and working the soil? When he has leveled the surface, does he not sow caraway and scatter cumin? Does he not plant wheat in its place, barley in its plot, and spelt in its field? His God instructs him and teaches him the right way. Caraway is not threshed with a sledge, nor is the wheel of a cart rolled over cumin. Caraway is beaten out with a rod and cumin with a stick. Grain must be ground to make bread, so one does not go on threshing it forever. The wheels of a threshing cart may be rolled over it, but one does not use horses to grind grain. All this also comes from the Lord Almighty, whose plan is wonderful, whose wisdom is magnificent. So in this passage, the prophet Isaiah is using an illustration from farming to make a point. How many of you here this morning have a garden or have ever had a garden? Yeah, we have a garden too. And anyone who has ever grown anything knows that there are certain steps that you have to follow. And you have to follow them in the right order. First, you cultivate. 
You have to break up that hard ground and make it loose and useful. I did this for, uh, for my wife just a few weeks ago. We have a picture of our nicely cultivated garden. And uh, this year, the work on that garden was a lot easier than the work last year because last year, this spot was just part of our yard. It was just grass and the sod was hard and there were roots and there were stones and it took a lot of time and effort and sweat. But after a couple of hours with the tiller, we had a nicely cultivated garden plot. You know, as nice as that looks, the point of breaking up the ground is to make it ready for planting. You don't just till and then walk away. You, you also don't need to continue tilling. You till the ground once and you make it ready for step number two. That's where the planting comes in. You have to actually put a seed into the ground if you want fruit. And there's a strategy to this. It's thought out. The beans are going to go over here and, and the tomatoes over there. And we're going to have mounds for the cucumbers over here. You know, Beth Ann and I have gone as far as to sit down and to even draw out on paper a, a map of how our garden is going to be laid out. There's a lot of intentionality in this step to make sure that all of the plants have room to grow and to flourish. And after the planting is done, there's one more thing to do. And this is where the payoff is. Because then, by the grace of God, and after some time, you finally get to reap. You get to taste the fruit of your labor, a, a basket full of green beans or, or of ripe red tomatoes. Now, what does all this gardening talk have to do with spiritual CPR? Well, what I want you to see today is that just as there are specific steps to creating a fruitful garden, there are also steps to seeing someone who is spiritually dead come alive in Christ. And we've talked a lot these last couple of weeks about cultivating. It's building those friendships. It's learning your neighbor's names, what they like, what they dislike, the things that they're going through, what's going on in their lives. That all has to do with cultivating. It's building the friendship and building the trust. But notice what Isaiah says in verse 24. He says, when a farmer plows for planting, does he plow continually? Does he keep on breaking up and working the soil? No, when he's leveled the surface, it's time to sow. It's time to plant. Here's the thing. If we just keep cultivating we're likely to see that friendship continue to grow. But understand that the ultimate goal isn't just to cultivate. The command that Christ has put on our lives isn't just to make friends. Friendship is an important part of the process and it's, an, it's a beautiful thing to develop these friendships and to watch them grow. But friendship isn't the goal. If it was, we'd just continue cultivating and we'd never do anything else. But the goal is that we would make disciples of Jesus Christ. And so we cultivate, and then we look for opportunities to plant seeds. Now, what does that mean in the spiritual context? Well, it means that once we've built trust, and we know that our neighbors know that we love them and we care for them, well, we ask the Lord to guide us in sharing truth. And we look for opportunities to ask some intentional spiritual questions. Questions like, hey, do you believe there's a God? You know, do, do you think that we can know him? Do you think that he cares about us? What, what are your thoughts about God? Simple questions that will open doors to spiritual conversations. And these questions, they may lead to fruit quickly, but other times they may seem to lead nowhere at all. But that's okay. Every gardener knows that some seeds come up quickly and other seeds take a little bit longer. And some seeds never pop at all. But hear me on this. Don't confuse the things that are your responsibility like cultivating and planting 
with what's only God's to do in someone's life and someone's hearts. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. God is the one who makes the spiritual seeds grow. And you can cultivate and you can plant and you can water, but you can't make things grow. That's God's part. And for so much of my life, I felt this tension. Like if I didn't say just the right thing at just the right time, or if I I didn't have all the answers, then I was gonna mess it up. And it was all on me, whether my friends came to Christ or not. And because of that, I either just shied away from those conversations or I sabotaged the whole process and was just overbearing and not letting God do his work. But here's what I've come to understand. My responsibility is to cultivate, to build those friendships, My responsibility is to plant and to have intentional spiritual conversations. God's responsibility is to make it grow. You be faithful to what God is calling you to do. Trust him to be faithful to what only he can do. God is the one who draws hearts. He's the one who changes lives. He did it in your life and he did it in mine. And we can trust him in his way and in his time to do it with our neighbors too. And when he does, there's one more step for us to take and it's time to reap. Max Lucado wrote a book a while back called Just Like Jesus. And the subtitle of that book said, God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants to make you just like Jesus. And in the church, I've seen that we have often missed this. Some of you might have memories of being a part of a church where if you didn't have it all together, then you weren't accepted. And you were taught that that your salvation was based on how good you were. And only after you'd cleaned yourself up, then Jesus would love you and the church would accept you. And then then you could be a part. Folks, I want to tell you this morning, that is an absolute lie. That is a lie from the devil. Nothing could be farther from the truth of the gospel. Jesus says the harvest is ready, but the workers are few. Do you see that the problem isn't with the harvest? The problem is with the workers. Jesus says, you bring them in, you bring them to me, I'll clean them up. You just bring them in, dirty, broken, desperate, needy, just like you were. You bring them to me, let me do the work in their heart. We've got to quit judging the world and holding people to a standard that they don't even know exists. We've gotta learn to love the way that Christ loved. We've gotta be willing to live in the tension and the mess. It's not always gonna be neat and clean. But God's grace is sufficient. He's working in all of us to make us more and more like Christ. It doesn't happen all at once, but we can trust him to do that work in our friends and our neighbors, just like he's doing in us. Over time, you just bring them to him just as they are. Cultivate, plant, and reap. This is spiritual CPR. And in the little bit of time that we have left, I wanna show you how Jesus put this into practice. I wanna invite you to turn to the Gospel of John We're gonna go to John chapter four. And again, if you're using the house Bible, this is on page 741. But in John chapter four, Jesus clearly illustrates this principle of spiritual CPR. We're gonna start in verse five of John chapter four. It says this, Jesus came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Let's pause right there. What is Jesus doing here? We know that Jesus was fully God and fully man. 
So he's not putting on a show here. He's genuinely tired. He's genuinely thirsty. He wants a drink, but he takes this opportunity and he uses his own need to begin spiritual CPR on this woman. We've talked in the past about uh, you know, cultivating by meeting the needs of, of our neighbors. That's a great way to cultivate those relationships. But here, Jesus shows us another technique a different approach, and he gives his neighbor the opportunity to meet his need. And I'm afraid that some of us have become so self-sufficient that we really don't need our neighbors. Or we've got something to give to them, but you know, there's not really anything that we need from them. Really? Is there some practical need that you have that instead of being self-sufficient and taking care of it yourself, that you might take it to your neighbor as an opportunity to build that trust and build that friendship? My neighbor, Ben, is a great example of this. I love my neighbors, Ben and Jamie and their family. And when I wanted to till that garden that you saw, I considered buying a new motor for my broken tiller. I, I considered just doing it myself. But my neighbor, Ben, he's got a really great tiller and he uses it once or twice a year. And so instead of replacing mine, I just asked Ben if I could borrow his. And it was another opportunity for me to cultivate my friendship with Ben. And he borrows my tools and I borrow his and we're building a trust and a friendship in sharing our things with one another. What need could you present to your neighbor to further cultivate that friendship? Look at verse nine. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And in asking this woman for a drink, Jesus is showing great respect, first, for even addressing this woman, but secondly, because she's not just a woman, she's a Samaritan woman. And we've talked before about the tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. But Jesus breaks right through the walls of racism. And in verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Jump down to verse 13. Everyone who drinks this water from the well he's talking about will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And do you see how Jesus is beginning to plant some seeds? He's asked for physical water. He then turns the woman's attention to spiritual things by talking about living water. And he turns the focus from his physical need to her spiritual need. And he begins to draw her out. Look at verse 16. He told her, go and call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And this right here, that statement that she just made is half of the tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. They argued over where they were supposed to worship, where they were supposed to go and, and to worship God. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Jump to verse 23. A time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And in verse 25, the woman said, I know that Messiah, the one called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. 
Jesus planted the spiritual seeds, and the woman responded with interest, and she begins asking questions. Should we worship here? Should we worship there? And Jesus answered his, her questions, and then he revealed himself to her. I'm the one. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that you need. And then look at verse 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? In verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Cultivate, plant, and reap. Do you see how Jesus worked through those steps to reach out to this woman? And everything wasn't neat and tidy, was it? I mean, the man she was living with wasn't her husband, and she had had multiple husbands before that. And Jesus knows all of this, but he doesn't shy away. He doesn't wait for her to clean up her act. He cultivates and he plants, and then he reaps. This is the work that Jesus has modeled for us and called us to in loving our neighbors as ourselves. It is not easy, but it is simple. Let's not overcomplicate it. Let's not try to do what only God can do, but let's be faithful to do the things that he has called us to do and to play the roles that he has called us to play. If you have it with you this morning, I wanna invite you to pull this out. We've been referencing this neighbor map the last uh, couple of weeks. Maybe you have it. If so, get it out. If you don't, that's okay. Uh, but I want you maybe to take your sermon notes and just jot the names down uh, of the neighbors who live right around you uh, as we've been doing the last few weeks. I want you to think about this idea of spiritual CPR as it relates to the people who live right around you. And I want you to take a minute to think about where you are in the process. What's, what's your next step with your neighbors? Maybe it's just time to get intentional about cultivating. Maybe, maybe just building those friendships, those relationships. Learning your neighbor's names is a great way to start. And, you know, as we've said the last couple of weeks, it might be a little bit awkward. Hey, we've lived next to each other for 10 years. I don't know your name. And, and you know, you can kind of play off that and apologize for it. It's okay. But take that first step. Put yourself out there. What's your name? My name's Ben. And begin that friendship. What, what are some ways that, that you could cultivate that friendship? Maybe you spent a lot of time cultivating already and you're really just tilling that soil over and over again. And for you, the next step is to plant some spiritual seeds. What are some questions that you could ask, some intentional questions to begin some spiritual conversations with your neighbors? Maybe that's your next step is, is to begin planting seeds. But maybe the harvest is ready. Maybe you've been a little bit reluctant for whatever reason to go out and to reap. Which of your neighbors is ready for that invitation into a relationship with Jesus Christ? I wanna give you just a minute uh, to think about where you are in that process with your neighbors. And I want you to really do this. I want you to write it down on that paper. Is it time to cultivate? Is it time to plant? Or is it time to reap? I'm gonna give you just a minute to think about that and to write down where you are. Would you do that right now?
know, I realize that it can seem uh, intimidating and maybe even a little bit overwhelming to think about performing spiritual CPR on, on six or eight people all at the same time. But I would be willing to guess that if, as you've thought about your neighbors who are far from the Lord, uh, that he has maybe drawn a name or two to the top. That maybe there's a name or two uh, of your neighbors that, that have really come to the forefront. And what if this morning you were willing just to start with that one or two? There's a good chance that, that he's calling you especially to reach out to those folks. And we thought it would be a great way to end this series to get our whole church praying for your one or two. You know, we've been singing this song for the last couple of weeks called For the Sake of the World. And uh, it's a reminder and it's a commitment to loving our neighbors well. And you've maybe seen on this back wall back here, this Love Where You Are poster as you've come in and gone out. We're gonna sing this song one more time for the sake of the world, light a fire in me. And as we sing it, I want you to go back to that poster and I want you to write the names of your one or two on that poster. Uh, the two neighbors that you'll commit to this process of spiritual CPR with. There's pins back there, and we're gonna leave that up for the rest of this summer so that we'll be reminded to pray for our neighbors and pray that they would uh, be loved, that we would love them right where they are. So I'm gonna pray for us, and then we're gonna sing, and let's get up as we're singing and go back and write some of those names and commit to loving our neighbors well. Let me pray for us. Father God, we... Uh, we're not absent-minded to the fact that as we talk about stepping out of our comfort zones and loving our neighbors, uh, that this is something that you are very familiar with. You modeled it for us in what you did through your son, Jesus Christ, that he would leave his rightful place in heaven, that he would step out of heaven and come on to our world, God, to take, take on flesh and take on blood, to live amongst us fully God, yet fully man that he knew what it was like to live life here on broken planet earth. And he did that so that he could head to the cross and pay the price for our sins. God, and now we have hope and we have freedom. And you've called us as your children and as your disciples to share that hope with the people around us. And so God, we wanna be faithful to that work. We thank you for this, uh, this model that you've given us in Isaiah 28 and in the life of Jesus of spiritual CPR. God, find us faithful to cultivating in the relationships, to planting spiritual seeds in our conversations and to reaping when the harvest is ready. Father, as we sing these words and as we uh, head back to dedicate some names to you this morning, Father, we do this as an act of worship. We do this as an act of commitment. God, bring this to mind as we move throughout the, the daily pace of our lives. God, that we would just always have on the forefront of our minds, loving you with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our strength and loving our neighbors as ourselves. God, find us faithful in it. We love you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.